Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics. And welcome to the RoboHub podcast. In today's episode, we're focusing on robots for interactive social encounters. More specifically, storytelling robots for children. Dr. Haywon Park is a research scientist at the Personal Robotics Group in the MIT Media Lab. Her work focuses on developing interactive robots that can adjust and personalize to their users over time. They're capable of transferring learning from one interaction to the next and can use collective knowledge and sensing across intelligent and intuitive interfaces. Such robots may be used in real-world settings to support learning as well as emotional and social well-being. One of our newest interviewers, Lauren Klein, a PhD student at USC who works on socially assistive robotic interventions, spoke to Dr. Park about her work with storytelling robots in schools, potential uses and benefits, and what she thinks classrooms of the future will look like. Hi, would you introduce yourself? Hi, Lauren. I'm Haywan Park. I'm a research scientist at Media Lab. MIT Media Lab, um, and I'm a, I'm also leading social robotics companion special interest group that includes projects like understanding family dynamics, and therefore we can build a social robot to help with the family dynamic. For example, parent-child dialogic reading activities. Mm-hmm. Um, also around healthcare and wellness for older adults. Very cool. And some of your projects have centered around storytelling robots, right? Mm -hmm, With children? mm -hmm. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I'm particularly interested in the storytelling component because it's a um, easier format of conversations because the storybook offers the context of Mm -hmm. the interaction um, or the conversational context. Um, But it has all the hints that regular conversations work, right? You remember certain contents about your previous conversation and you build up your next conversation based on your previous conversation. So that's the interesting part about the storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also particularly interested in the storytelling interaction between a robot and a child because it gives a really good uh, interaction bed for improving children's literacy skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a child to listen to a story from a robot that has multiple factors like children engaging in the robot storytelling, but as well as them now themselves becoming a storyteller to the robot, then from comparing the robot storytell to a child storytell, we can actually gauge how much of the content the child got from robot storytelling. Also, if they're demonstrating things that they learned from listening to the robot storytelling, um, also, if they are actually reflecting on certain parts of the story, like the character's internal landscape, or just like factuals, um, also they, how they construct their own sentences is also a great assessment for their literacy development. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, and storytelling is not only about just robot telling a story, but robot asks questions along the way, thereby measuring if the child is responding to the robot or not. 
um, but also gauging how much of the content they understand from the story. So thereby it gives the opportunity for the robot to assess the children's engagement as well as learning progression. Right. So based on how the child tells stories to the robot and based on how they respond to the robot's storytelling, the robot can then assess what the child has learned and how the child comprehends. Exactly. Very and, cool. And great thing about using social robot technology um, mm-hmm. is uh, you just imagine that you have like a physically embodied robot in front of you versus yeah. just listening to a story f- from an audiobook on a tablet, perhaps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If there is a physical embodiment in front of you, what we found is that people will become much more expressive in their social cues okay. because you, it gives you a feeling of the, the interaction dynamic that happens between a social agent and yourself. So in a perspective of artificial intelligence, it's actually a really good data collection. It gives, it gives much more rich data set of you analyzing the engagement signals from the user because you're not only looking at the verbal cues, but you're also analyzing all the nonverbal cues that the child is eliciting towards the robot. Okay. And what type of embodiment have you guys been using? What robot do you guys have interacting with the children? Yeah, so um, a lot of them were, how, how could we say, like character-based robots. So mm-hmm. it has its like, own animative character. Like, uh, like a character from an animation. Um, so some of the robots that I've used are furry. There's a particular robot that called called Tega. It's okay. a furry robot um, with very like, visual colored fur. Um, mm-hmm. So children love Good to... Good for kids, yeah. Yeah, children love to tinker around with Tega's mm-hmm. fur. We actually give them... Uh, an opportunity to explore the robot. So when children walk into the room where the robot is, we make the robot like fall asleep, so stay asleep. So okay. it gives the child feeling of like they can actually safely explore the robot while the yeah. robot is not, you know, like fully awake and like staring yeah, at gonna you. Move and, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that really helps with them first um, giving enough time for them to explore. Give helps a lot when they're initially interacting and meeting the robot for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also, I'm also using Jibo a lot these days because it's a right. very reliable platform. And Jibo was developed in the Media Lab, correct? Yeah, so it's Cynthia Brazil's mm-hmm. spin-off from Media right. Lab, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's Cynthia's co-founded startup. Okay. Um, so it's very robust, this in- industrial-grade robot, right? Consumer mm-hmm. product. Um, So it has been a very reliable platform for all of our long-term deployment studies. Great. So the different robots have, I guess, different benefits. Like one is the fuzzy, you know, robot that kids can explore and kind of squashes and stretches. And then the Jibo robot is a little bit more robust and easier for long-term in-home deployments. So, and we can, we can always design Jibo to be furry of course so we yeah. give also children opportunity to decorate jibo if they want right yes. with pom-poms i remember you showed yes, me yes yes some pom-pom pom-poms. Ear. yeah so pom-poms that they can put on jibo's head mm-hmm. uh, you can also probably supply different colors i have used white pom-poms but mm-hmm. it goes yeah. with the plastic exactly. the white plastic mm-hmm. yes and can you tell me a little bit about how the robots adapt from interaction to interaction, how they personalize to each child and and then maybe also the effects that that has. 
Yeah, so so for the personalization work I've been doing was looking at user engagement. Mm-hmm. So it's whether the child is engaged in the storytelling or not. And it's a very intuitive way of giving a robot reward to its actions, right? So if the, 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 if the user's affective signal, signal positive reaction to the robot's actions, whatever those actions are, the robot is getting positive reward that something it has done just before it's the good. user's mm-hmm. responding positively is good, right? So it's very intuitive. It's like how sure, yeah. we also get signal from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also combining that with the task goal itself. For example, if it's an early literacy education, then we are looking at child's learning progression in vo- vocabulary gain as well as syntax okay. structure learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we combine both, actually, so then they actually compete each other as a real signal okay. and actually produce better personalized policy. So the robot is not only you know emphasizing one of them okay because you want the robot to give reward behaviors that the children like when they do well but also you want to balance that with is this activity challenging enough to the child exactly okay and that kind of concept can be applied to different interaction scenarios Mm -hmm. Um, that's what is really really great about this approach yeah Um, for example if now i change the task to now i want to engage older adults to adhere to their mm-hmm. medical regimen better, then, um, well, engagement is still key, right? Mm-hmm. Engagement and adherence is still key, but then that combined with their actual adherence behavior will give like a also a good real signal for a robot to designing a real function for a robot. Sure. Yeah. And how do you, you mentioned, you know, if the child responds well, or even, you know, if an older adult responds well, then the robot knows they've done something good. How do you define whether the participant has responded well, and how do you collect that type of data? So we look at a lot of different cues, um, nonverbal cues, including affective signals that can come from user's facial expressions. Um, which I've been mostly using so far. So facial I did arousal, okay. yeah, the arousal level f- that we can gain from their facial expressions. Um, with this previous study I did with the storytelling robot companion, um, we did a, a, a great amount of data collection. And right. we were analyzing so that to, to understand what other signals we can use for be- better measurement of engagement, mm-hmm. right? Um, some of those cues were body pose, uh, which is known to be a good signal for engagement. Um, Also, we were also looking at some physiological signals like electrodermal activity, which means your sweat level that can be measured on your wrist. Um, And it's it's supposed to correlate to your stress level, um, which means like your your arousal level of your body's Mm -hmm. Which isn't necessarily a bad type of stress, but just how attentive are you and how how much are you kind of trying in the, exactly. in the exercise? Okay. Right. So what we found out is um, when when the robot is asking questions, like we see like a peak, like a small peak in their EDA signal. And e- which one is EDA again? So that's electrodermal, electrodermal activity, okay. so your, your sweat level. Right, yes. right. Yeah, so your body's arousal level. Um, and so that's we, the same as GSR, galvanic skin response? Yeah, so it used to be called okay. galvanic skin response, okay. so GSR. Cool. Yeah, I think EDA is more more latest term. I see. Yes. Um, so yeah, we see like a p- huge correlation between these physiological signals uh, mm-hmm. as well as 
like how children like shift their body like closer or, the, or further from the robot um, also with their facial expressions um, I'm not saying like they correlate well like from like every frame to mm-hmm. across these different signals but overall but overall interaction mm-hmm. right so we see when the robot is now using this personalized policy like children will produce more of these engagement signals versus when they're interacting with a non-personalized robot okay yeah. that's awesome yeah so moving forward now that you you've completed this study right mm-hmm how do you see robots continuing to be used in schools? Because are you have you left the robots in the schools to continue interacting with the children? Yeah. Or how do you see kind of long-term um, classrooms changing to adapt this type of technology? Yes, so that's our next step. Um, and we have, um, so we have developed different interaction modalities and interaction tasks to inter- really intervene with this early literacy education. Mm-hmm. Um, so storytelling is kind of like in a level of, so story actually encapsulates like sentences, not just vocabulary, but like sentences, like how vocabulary is used in the sentences, also the, all the grammar and syntax structure, as well as story flow and the so so landscape right. of the So there's a characters. lot of different types of lessons right. in there for children. So we have other tasks that just focus on learning the pronunciation mm-hmm. of a word. Or the like robot learning. learning or the child learning? Child learning. Okay. Yeah, robot robot. Robot can gain that from different okay. different information sources. <laughs> uh-huh. um, um, also, like the learning of like vocabulary meaning, right? Okay. So it's like all the combination of these different aspects of literacy education. It's like you learning the meaning of a, of a word, but also reading mm-hmm. a word is like different from you knowing what the word means. So right. like that component of reading and pronunciation, but okay. then that leading to a more complex like usage of a word in a, in a sentence structure right so, so mm-hmm. that's like storytelling and reading okay right so we have like this different interaction that robot can provide to the t- children uh, we are getting to a phase where we want to deploy robots in multiple classrooms and just unmanned uh, so fully autonomous mm-hmm. um, always connected always on kind of robot so Jibo mm-hmm. is a really good great platform to use in that regard Mm -hmm. so um, we will be deploying our robots in this coming fall in schools in Georgia and we will be back in at at MIT in Boston Mm -hmm. so it's a little scary that robots will you know be working reliably but we are so we are developing all the infrastructures that's that is needed for this long-term deployment okay like things like um, even now the robot needs to recognize exactly who this child is to do mm-hmm. to do the right data collection or and provide do the with... right curriculum. Okay, does right? it do that with facial recognition? Yeah, so okay. the, well, the face needs to be recognized. We need to also think about mechanisms to not collect data on children who are not consented to participate right. in data collection. But we okay. don't want to limit certain kids in the classroom to have this experience. Okay. So, right? Yeah, so, that's interesting. So that is also another safety measure we need to build in. Right. So we are and getting can you still done. use the facial recognition on children? No, because who, okay. we are using like cloud API for face oh, recognition, Oh, so it's right? not necessarily... A lot of the okay. things that robot can do, uh, some, some things are on board, but a mm-hmm. lot of things are going to be on the cloud. Right. And so, so 
yeah. there's data safety concerns. Yeah, so we will not send data of to to, rec- to run face ID on children mm-hmm. who can't collect data. Of course, yeah. Right. So it'll be like a setting that the child comes up to the robot and wakes up the robot by starting mm-hmm. their like a tablet with kind of like an icon that represents each child's like avatar. Okay. So for example, if a child like selects that I'm Hey One, mm-hmm. then the face ID will be used to verify you are actually Hey One. Okay. Um, versus like face ID always working on the background. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a child clicks um, that you're someone else and if we're not supposed to collect data on, then we will not collect data, on, but we'll still provide the interaction. Right. Yeah. So that is coming up. Um, and we're also very interested in how the robot can leverage knowledge that it gained about the child from one interaction to another interaction. Right. Right. So there are, like, for example, shared information that needs to happen across tasks. Uh, one of them will be actually modeling the child's learning and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So like a model that updates the child's current knowledge, so maintains the latest knowledge of the child. Mm-hmm. So that each task can infer about what the child know and don't know. Right, because that will... information might be transferable from one activity to another. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then, like, selecting the right task. And that is a problem of on its own, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so if the child knows how to pronounce certain word, then what word should we show next, right? Or in also in different tasks, so all of that personalization method is going to be built in and we will be using, so this is not just personalization on the learning content, but also children's engagement. So we are using different affective cues for that. To see how engaged the child is. Exactly. Okay. Because without engagement, learning won't happen. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. Of course. And how do you, what, you know, if you detect that the child is not engaged, what's the next step for the robot? So, for example, in a storytelling task, um, we will be building mechanisms to to cleverly use the question asking mechanism, for example. So if the robot is detecting uh, low engagement from the child, uh, what we saw from previous study is that when the robot is asking a question, it re-engages the child's attention back. So we can cleverly plant questions when the robot detects low engagement. Okay. Yes. So question asking is actually very interesting because it not only can re-engage the child, but for example, now the robot is maintaining a certain model of the child. And, but if the robot is uncertain about some information about the child's knowledge or the, the child's any kind of state. Then, then it has that benefit as well of gaining exactly, that information. Right. Then that could be elicited as a question asking behavior. Okay. Yeah. So we are also wow. working on auto- automatic question generation based mm-hmm. on the current context that the robot was sharing with the child. Mm-hmm. So a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. What are you most nervous about in this project? Um, the the deployment part, right? So mm-hmm. like the robot probably will not be able to attend to all different edge situations. Um, right. Even though we are thinking about a lot of things that the robot needs to understand and handle. Yeah, it's hard to find every corner case. Exactly. For example, like if the child abruptly leaves the session, what should the robot do? Right. Or if um, if the child is not necessarily disengaged, but is producing disengagement cues, like their mm-hmm. gaze like shifting, 
but maybe that's because someone like 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 distract the child's attention and the child was probably not like disengaged from the task but maybe just answering someone's question in the background but they're still like they, yeah. they come right back to the task so then you know like robot needs to understand for example when the robot is asking a question then the, it needs to avoid the timing of when the child can't answer the question mm-hmm. um, and things can fail at random times there are different yeah. system components that can fail so how can you recover from that right so all these different kind of edge situations uh, yeah. how to how to detect failures gracefully also the how to how how the robot should recover from it yeah. great well i look forward to seeing how how that all turns out yeah. before we wrap up can you tell me you know what kind of advice or what advice you have for young phd students interested in researching human robot interaction or you know budding roboticists interested in the field yeah i think um what really benefited my thinking of research ideas and approaches um and also why i got really very interested in long-term personalization is because um like i was really out there implementing robots in people's environments mm-hmm. and seeing how they they interact with this artificially intelligent technology mm-hmm. um versus you just developing an algorithm and testing on like an existing data set like it's a very different learning right so then you kind of start thinking about the evaluation metric too so is it really only meaningful to evaluate as we usually put on our academic papers uh we usually like compare our new approach to like previous approach and like show how better our algorithm is doing mm-hmm. so that is very important but also what is important is how is this algorithm or like the the new new policy we are like developing for the robot how when it's elicited towards a user like what is the user ex- experience and how is it how is it impacting the users lives right whether it's learning right. whether it's healthcare whether it's um building positive behaviors or habit mm-hmm. um so that itself is own metric that perhaps is more more valuable than your performance metric right there's the end results but then there's also the experience that yeah. the real person is having yes so if you're mm-hmm. doing research that where your motivation comes from a robot that eventually will help people and i think many times students who are studying robotics come from that motivation um then just really get out there and see see how how your technology can be used with real people in the real world great well thank you so much dr yeah. park we appreciate your insight thank yeah. you thank you so much And that's it from us for today. But don't worry if you can't wait for the next one. There's lots more robotics news views and podcasts on our website at robohub.org. And we're always open to feedback and suggestions from our listeners. So if there's anything you'd like us to cover in one of our upcoming episodes or if you have any comments or questions, simply email our president Audro at audro.nash@robohub.org. We'll be back in 2 weeks time. Until then, goodbye.
Stories with Robohub, the podcast for news and views on robotics.